Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And welcome back to Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast, hosted by the amazing and wonderful Captain Sabriel and oh, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Hey, Ken. <laughs> wow, you could barely get my name out. You're so embarrassed by me. Thanks, Sabriel. <laughs> You're just waiting for me to have like a warp core breach so you can replace me with your other engineer that you have waiting in the wings. Every minute of the day, I expect the engines to blow up. I expect to wake up dead. I know you're you're just gonna like send me to my death in this warp nacelle and like Ken, it's the only way to save the ship. You have to sacrifice yourself. And I'm like, you're just doing this so you can go through the command program and get promoted, aren't you, Deanna <laughs> Troy? Well, you've always wanted me dead. Well, if you ever felt that way, Ken, you know what you could do? You could run away, which is ah. <laughs> I see what you did there, even though this is an audio podcast, I see it. <laughs> so, fair listener, this week we are talking about the first Star Trek short trek called Runaway. Ken, why don't you tell us about Runaway? Sure. So, Runaway is the first of four monthly short treks that are designed to tide us over until season two of Discovery begins in 2019 and Runaway, as with I expect the other three episodes still to come, is about 12 to 15 minutes long. And this one, would you like a TLDR of the plot synopsis? Why not? Okay. So basically, our cadet Tilly, and by the way, this brings to mind a question that I should have asked in our previous episode of Transporter Lock, is when these short treks were going to be set. Because Discovery is a serial series, with the exception of the six-month gap between episodes two and three in season one. We see pretty much every moment of the show. So where would they squeeze in new stories? It's not like TNG, where every episode is a bottle episode and you don't know what happens in between. So would you agree with me that this seems to be a prequel to season one? Well, no, I would not. Actually, I think we, we did actually touch on this a little bit, wondering what these episodes would be if they would tie us or if they would be a connection to season two. And that's what I suspected. And I feel it is the case, especially since this one takes place after the events of the season finale of one. How can you tell that it's after the events of season one finale? Well, uh, Tilly is now an ensign before she was not. Uh, she was a cadet. And she has the Starfleet Medal of Honor now on her uh, desk that she received at the end of this uh, season one. And she's talking about uh, actually going through the command training program when before she just wanted to that is quite the eye for detail i think i missed all those things i mean other <laughs> than the training program but i just assumed that that had been a long-held ambition of hers well i don't know this is now we see her in the throes of it and that's actually how we begin our episode but uh, why don't you continue on with that synopsis but where would this short trek fit in the discovery timeline well all we know is that it takes place after season or the season finale of season one and that's what we know. We have to go on. We weren't given a star date. We weren't given any kind of date. But it sure does not seem that long after. But you're right, because season one ended with big thing going on with the Enterprise. And so maybe this is when they are on the bridge. Maybe this is an oops, we need to retcon something. Or maybe this play takes place after season two. But we just don't know that exact detail yet. 
Interesting. Okay, well, the timeline is TBD, but in the meantime, basically what happens is a runaway teenage alien finds herself on Discovery, and the only person who finds out and knows that she's there is Tilly, and so they have a little heart-to-heart before Tilly sends her back to her home planet. That's a really, really quick uh, two-London read. <laughs> well, that's the TLDR of the TLDR. There you go. There you go. Um, so, but there is much more to this. Before I get into the nitty-gritty, because actually I ended up, I ended up liking this episode, but what were your feelings after your first viewing? My feelings after the first viewing, in contrast to yours and to my friends, was that I was significantly underwhelmed. Yeah, uh, I could definitely, when we talked about that, I could definitely get that feeling of why someone would. When I first watched it, I was kind of, I would say on the higher end of middling, because I was like, well, I didn't catch a lot of the jumps to uh, why this happened, why that happened, what was said here, and things like that. And so I didn't quite get it all. This one was for me, one I had to watch a second time to get the most out of it. And I don't know necessarily that means that's a good thing, but I think if you have not and you are on a fence after only watching it once, give it another shot. It's only about 15 minutes of your time. If you have that time, definitely do that. So what are some of the things that you picked up on the second viewing? What made an impression on you? All right. So maybe I should get to some of the nitty gritty before we can kind of, maybe that'll help flesh some of that out. So sure. the actual episode itself, other than having the heart to heart, is we come in with Tilly having a difficult time with her mother and her mother's uh, attitude towards Tilly being in the command training program. Tilly called her for support. And at the beginning of the episode, we just get Tilly's mother uh, just talking at her, not talking with her and saying all these things. And it's like, I was talking to your stepsister about this and she's always so smart about these things. And the headphone call ended with Tilly screaming into a pillow <laughs> And I can relate to this very, very, very well. <laughs> well, then one thing leads to another. And Tilly comes across this alien woman. And turns out this woman uh, is a runaway from a planet. And she was having having problems of her own there. And she ran away from the problems. Similar to what Tilly was kind of starting to feel like she should do. Because the training command training program and her family... Uh, it was stressing her the heck out. And this is kind of one of those tropey things where in trying to help our secondary member here, the, the alien woman, Tilly discovers more about herself <laughs> and realizes what she needs to do. You know, I, I, going through all that, like maybe because it was very close, near to near to my heart and some of the support I do or do not get, uh, it meant more to me. And I could see where Tilly was coming from and more than the uh, alien, but... It was heartwarming to me. And we got to see Tilly taking charge, in a sense. Something she needs to do. Well, that was something I wondered about, because one of the things she took charge of was responsibility for this young Zahian woman named Poe. I don't understand why Tilly didn't report her, because even Tilly said, if anybody finds out you're here, we're both being thrown in the brig. Why did Tilly think she was in trouble? And why didn't she do anything official about this runaway? Well, it's hard to say necessarily being in her headspace, but to me, uh, Tilly could almost sense something in her. I mean, Tilly, I mean, we've already seen Tilly is not a by-the-book kind of person at all. This just goes along with it. I mean, this is a common trope of this kind of person. The person who's 
I don't want to say outcast, but I mean, that's kind of a close word to this, uh, taking in another outcast. I think I thought it was very into her character to take Poe in and uh, hide her away, try to figure out what to do next before going to command to higher ups. I don't know. It just felt, it felt very much in character. Like she would like, no, I'm going to try to fix this before I get someone else in here, especially get someone in trouble. But if she wants to go through the command training program, I mean, you can argue, yes, she is taking command. But on the other hand, you also need to respect the hierarchy of command. And she did not do that here. Yeah, that's if you take the logical approach to it. And if we want to go that road, I mean, Starfleet officers are known for throwing the book out the window and doing their own thing. So I think Tilly's got command (laughs) perfect here. (laughs) Hmm, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, of course, that would be the quote-unquote right thing to do if you're going by the book but until he saw more than that there's a person here there's an actual person here whose life is that life could be at stake and she took things in her own hands and figured out later and what did you think of this zahian we met named poe i loved her i was a huge fan the first moment we got to see her in any kind of capacity between her attitude in the mess hall and then her hissing at tilly and tilly hissing back <laughs> Yes, them hissing back. It seems like that is when Poe starts not being so combative. That's when they actually start opening up a dialogue. Because up until then, she's only hissing. And Tilly, out of frustration, just is like, I'm going to speak your language and hiss right back at you. And then Poe sort of takes a step back and starts actually speaking in her own language. I liked that that was how Tilly got respect. Tilly sort of jokes, how did you subdue the alien? It's by feeding her ice cream. No, that's not, that may be how you subdued her, but how did you gain her respect? And by hissing at her, that was great. That scene also had one of my favorite things because I kind of pull this kind of stuff when I play various games. <laughs> Tilly asked her what her name is and Poe was like, my name is Keep Your Human Digits Off Me. It's a family name. My name is also, I could build a translator like that in my sleep. In fact, I did when I was nine. <laughs> and Tilly's like, Oh, yeah? Did you make? And then she goes on to this whole description of a food replicator. When you were nine? No, you didn't, because you didn't know what ice cream was until 30 seconds ago. (laughs) Do you think Tilly's implying that she built a food replicator when she was nine? No, I think she was totally mocking Poe for coming up with these ridiculous names, because Poe was trying to sound smart, because she is. But And she takes pride in her work. <laughs> Tilly is just like, right back at her. And it was hilarious. I know. They were both thinking pretty quick on their feet there. I would not be able to engage in that witty a conversation. I would just be like, let me come back to you in five minutes, and then I'll have a comeback. <laughs> but that scene also showed that those two are were much more alike. And I think that probably was a good part of why Tilly took her in. So we don't know much about these Zahians. And I want to speak about their biology, because we saw... A lot of very conflicting behavior, in my opinion, from Poe. She seemed very animalistic at first, the way she was sneaking around the ship, the way she was clinging to the ceiling, bouncing all over the place. She had spikes coming out of her back when she was threatened, almost like a porcupine or something. But then later on, we don't see her hunched down on all fours, eating food off the floor. We see her walking around like a more traditional bipedal humanoid. And so I don't understand why she went from so primitive a presentation to so elegant a one as the episode went on. She tells us at the end, she's royalty. She doesn't want to act. She doesn't want people to know. Yeah, but I can understand that 
being the reason why you hide your identity, but okay, okay, I, I, I don't think that necessarily translates into your carriage. Okay, you're right. However, also she is a lone, scared young girl or young woman. Mm. You gotta do what you gotta do to survive. And so when someone, when there's someone who could maybe be a threat to you, you look scary to them. You intentionally look scary to them to try to scare them off. And the show was trying to make her seem primitive-ish intentionally to get our guard down but then like i said the very opening of this of the episode we see her breaking a starfleet lock and so we if you're paying attention you know she's incredibly intelligent but they keep giving us this image of she's an animal like creature that we see on star trek all the time well you say she's smart because she's hacking but she seems to have some sort of a remote control for Starfleet technology. She not only activated the computer to unseal the canister she was in, she also made the food replicators go haywire, and she also shut down Tilly's information display at one point. Yeah, it almost seemed like different abilities, because when she got broke the lock, she, it actually seemed like she was like doing work because the way they showed the graphic. And then when she was messing with the food replicator and Tilly's computer, it was a very... like. Exactly. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Very chaotic. Yeah, chaotic. There we go. You play D&D. You should know that word. <laughs> chaotic <laughs> characters are not, well, they're not not a lot on my table. They just are thrown upon. Not only can she hack computers from a distance, but she also has a personal cloaking device, sort of like the Jem'Hadar. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was built into her, like it almost to me seemed like it was just a natural ability, but we really don't know for certain. Yes, I would agree that it's biological in nature. It felt like whether it is or not, we don't know. And also, going back a little bit on hacking the food replicators, even if you're hacking them, what mechanism do replicators have that would allow them to eject food at a high rate of velocity while making prices right like sound effects. <laughs> that was really weird to me, too. My initial note on this was, what? Because, <laughs> wow, they have... I don't know why you would ever put some kind of um, ballista-like capabilities inside your food replicators. Right? Right. Yes, exactly. And also, this mess in the mess hall, which is aptly named in this episode, <laughs> was not caused by a hormonal space rabbit. No, no, uh, but we just kind of hand wave that. Like, oh, Tilly doing Tilly things again. Do you think there is such a thing, though? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, we previously saw Harry Mudd arrive in a space whale, so yeah. maybe there are space rabbits, too. I mean, we've seen dogs with a unicorn shoved on their head on the original series. Oh, that was way back in TOS, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> other various things. So, yeah, oh, it's not out of the imagination. We have talking aliens who speak English very well. Um, and people who use black holes as warp travel and spore drives and stuff. So I don't really question it. I suppose after listing all those ridiculous things, it would be ridiculous of me to draw the line at space rabbits. Right. <laughs> That's like when people say, like, why is this x thing in my fantasy and i'm like well there's talking dragons and you don't question that and so that's why <laughs> it's kind of like in the movie venom today you know all this ridiculous stuff happens but at one point when somebody's hacking a computer and the notifications are showing on the lock screen i'm like that's a obvious security flaw that nobody would have enabled <laughs> you should not be able to read somebody's email subject line without first typing in the password right? i find that the most unbelievable <laughs> Or when people hold their hand, their phone up to their ears and the screen does not go dark. Like, ha, that's a fake call. <laughs> <laughs> 
when when animals like are wearing headphones but they don't go over the ears because on the animal ears are somewhere else or when non-mammalian females in aliens and creatures in video games have boobs <laughs> does that happen all the time can you give me an example the tauren from world of warcraft the oh, see i this is why i couldn't think of an example i've never played wow yeah um, that's just one example. You can just just look up. I don't want to say it, tell anyone to look up alien boobs, but if you really no, dead, I'm not googling that, especially if, while at work. You a safe search on uh, maybe. Oh God! So many people listening to this podcast are going to get so fired. So this character Poe we meet, we've discussed her biology. Let's talk about her planet. This is our first encounter with the planet. Is I mean, what's the name of the planet? We know that the race is Zahian. Does that make the planet Zahia? Uh, yeah, the screen on the in the. Um... On there, or she mentions Zahia multiple times. She says Zahia. Okay, so Zahia and the people of the planet who are Zahian were born at the same time, so they're twins, which is just obviously a myth that they tell themselves, kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. You don't know things, Ken. Just like she said, Tilly when Tilly threw doubt into that. Yeah, but I mean, come on the 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 heat on the planet would have been no. You can't survive. All that. right, Tilly. <laughs> yes, Tilly is right. You were just talking a moment ago about how great Tilly is. Let's is extend great. that to this point of logic as well. I don't know. Why couldn't it happen? Because hormonal uh, space rabbits. Yeah, yeah. No. See, uh, can't argue with I that. I see no reason not to believe her. All right. <laughs> so this planet just attained warp capacity, which means that there is no prime directive being... Uh, violated here, and obviously that must be how she got onto the planet because there was some interaction between her planet and Starfleet for her to get into this escape pod unscanned or whatever it was. And she developed a way to what was it? Recrystallize dilithium? Yeah, in whatever context that means, because, you know, we really don't know how dilithium works, dilithium crystals work and whatever like that, but whatever she did, uh, she was trying to give her planet back something that they were taking away to use warp travel. And to her, because she said uh, their people developed the same time as the planet did, that they are twins. She sees herself as like her people and her as a twin to the planet. And she wants to give something back because they've been taking so much away from her so they can fly in space. And so she developed a machine that basically could give something back. But as corporations or people who are in the military want to do they want to use this for their own good and she did not like that and she ran away yeah the interaction that she and tilly had in tilly's quarters was not as obvious to me as it was to them i i see you took some notes here where they said where poe said nobody will take care of my twin sister like i will and they're just going to ravage the planet and somehow that makes her realize that she has to go home she has to do something about it otherwise it's just gonna keep i mean if she does nothing, the planet's going to get hurt. And she has a way to make it better. And so she needs to try to do something about it. But she's the one with the knowledge of how to create this thing that everybody wants. That seems more dangerous to her planet. Unless I'm misunderstanding what it is this device does. Well, to me, it seems like it'd be replenishing the planet's resources. Is what I, I took it to understand. Some, replenish a resource they're taking away. I wish they'd gone a little bit more into detail about what it means to recrystallize their lithium. Because... They made it sound like this was strategically important, but I didn't understand if it was good or bad for the planet Zahia. 
my very first viewing too. I that was my walk away too. I feel like the kind of maybe cut or you could use one more line saying something like I suggested here and like to give back to my planet. I think that would have been what all we needed to kind of really get that. Like, okay, this is a good thing. All right, yeah. Yeah, because Tilly says, Poe, you have made Zahia the most strategically important planet or something like that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not the fact that the planet has dilithium. It's that Poe has figured out a way to recrystallize it. Yeah. So, I don't know. That. I, I'm sort of reminded of the episode Relics of TNG, where at one point, Scotty says something like, oh, you're a dilithium crystal. Something terrible is about to happen to it. And Jordy's like, no, we've improved our warp engine since you last looked at them. We don't need that anymore. I wish I had the specific line in front of me. I don't see it in memory alpha, but I can't help but wonder if recrystallizing dilithium is a process that is now incorporated into warp core drives a hundred years later. Yeah, we really don't know. And that would be a neat connection if it was actually what it was, but uh, whatever it is, it feels, it feels like my very first viewing, I just felt like I was missing some kind of context it's like why going back home would be so important in relation to this machine i also feel like tilly herself was not being consistent like at one point she was saying your planet is evolving you are evolving and then she sort of backs down and says nobody will love your planet the way you do and then she's like oh but you have to share this knowledge with everybody and i felt like she was vacillating between which was more important to her poe or starfleet yeah starfleet didn't even cut back into my thought on that part, even though just a moment before she did say uh, Starfleet would back you up. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that seems inconsistent. Like Starfleet will back you up, but everybody's going to want this, including us. Maybe. I, 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 said, I really feel like something was missing here, even though I think I feel like I understood the scene. Like I said, I feel like it is kind of a weird way to say it. Unless I am still missing something. I just, I think there was just a few lines that were missing here on the scene to really just like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's just one of those situations where I usually complain that shows just spoon feed me everything. And maybe this is one of those times where it feels like I wish they did this time. I feel like they were trying to move too fast for just a 12 minute episode. Oh, this episode, the editing felt so fast, particularly the beginning with the conversation with Tilly's mother. It was, it just did not feel natural to me. It was just boom, 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 boom. Tilly's mother just Blah, 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 blah. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel natural in an editorial sense. Tilly's mom said two things that were not QED for me. Like at one point she said, look at your desk. You must be so caffeinated right now. And I could never tell somebody's caffeine level by looking at their desk. Uh, she must. Well, we didn't get a good look at her desk either, but I assume she just had like lots of cups, empty cups of coffee. Okay. That would make sense. But I, that's not what I inferred from her dialogue. The other thing was, when she, said, when she shared that anecdote, remember the time all those kids were climbing the wall and you mm-hmm. couldn't, so you ran away? I'm like, that is the worst metaphor ever. Well, like, is- you, you, you ran away from a wall? Come on. <laughs> it wasn't the wall she was running away from, Ken. It was running away from failure. No, it was the wall. She thinks, <laughs> she's afraid of walls. She has wallophobia. <laughs> yes. And I don't think that makes sense. So I think this is a bad episode. <laughs> no, that whole scene was to show that uh, Tilly's mother was not listening to Tilly. Because Tilly says later to Poe, when the people who are supposed to care about you don't listen to you, it's frightening and it's lonely. It makes you feel like you're crazy and not even there. I get that. 
this was her realization that these again another realization that they were just the same they were going through the same thing it's just in different contexts and the editing in this episode still doesn't excuse the editing in this episode which i felt was poor so tell me more about that connection that the two characters made. So Tilly wants to go through the command program, calls her mom for advice, and doesn't get the support she's looking for. In what way does that parallel Poe's position? Because Poe kept saying over and over again she was t- trying to talk to people and they wouldn't listen to her. And she was trying to explain why what this device was intended to do in her mind, but people weren't listening. They could only see the profit in it, basically. And hmm. that that's... That's her, her. That's how it worked out for her. And Tilly was just looking for support, wasn't getting it. And Poe was looking for support, wasn't getting it. I suppose I can see it when you put it that way. I was more thinking that Tilly was looking for somebody to have faith in her, and she didn't have it. I don't feel necessarily like people didn't have faith in Poe. It's just that people had different priorities than Poe. Yeah, I don't know if that was the right... I mean, I, I mean, it's, your take, and that's totally valid, but that doesn't seem to fit both characters. Which is, again, one of the reasons why the episode didn't really gel with me. I'm like, I, I don't think these characters are exactly on parallel paths. But if they were, does that mean that the episode title, Runaway, also applies to Tilly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tilly was starting to feel like she was running away, wanting to run away from her problem because at the very end of the episode, I mean, she's talking about how... Well, in the in the in just before the end of the episode, in her room, she's talking about how she made... A comment, something like, I'm in the command training program, and that means I've made a horrible mistake if you ask my mom. That was stressing her out, and she was thinking about running away. She didn't expand on that, but at the very end, Poe was like, what did you mean by making a mistake? Till he said, I was just holding on to something dumb. She was just holding on to this feeling of dread. And so how did Poe help Tilly overcome that? Tilly was just listening to her own advice. Tilly gave all this advice to Poe, and then she like, oh, okay, I should listen to myself too. And the advice was to go home and face your problem? Don't just face face your problems. Because constantly, oh yeah, during the episode, there were times when Poe would just disappear. And Tilly's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Get back here right now. Like, you can't run away from your problems. You have to face them head on. You come back here right now, young lady. Oh, great. I'm turning into my mother. Exactly. I mean, there was tons of little parallels to the word run away and hiding from your problems and such like that. And here it was just... Face it. I mean, basically, she just taught herself to go face it head on. And they both love ice cream. Yeah. Which I had to look up. What, what is it? Um, Spumoni ice cream? I didn't know what that meant. I've already forgotten again. So what is Spumoni, Sabriel? Spumoni. Oh, it's gelato. Hold on. Spumoni is a molded gelato made of different layers of colors and flavors. There you go. Now you know. Uh, let's see. The ice cream. Like, you too oh. might have something in common with Tilly. You just have to go try some Spumoni and find <laughs> out. Uh, okay. Neapolitan ice cream. One of my favorites is a, is a kind of uh, Spumoni ice cream. Well, there you go. I'm also curious as to the episode's resolution. We find out a couple of things. One, Poe is the queen. Mm-hmm. And that would explain why the intergalactic APB listed her as strategically critical. It was important that she be found alive and safe and well and be brought home. Poe says her parents are dead and her brother is dead and her brother was the king. I have to wonder under what circumstances all this happened. I assume her parents have been dead for a while, which is why her brother was the king instead of a prince. But I wonder if her brother was assassinated because she herself is pretty young Assuming that they're anything like humans, her brother was probably not much older. Why did he die? 
that's and honestly that's something we just don't know we don't have the answer to that could have been the klingon war could have been trying to get this information could have been a natural death we don't know we literally know nothing i was reading even the apb to see if we can get any information and there's nothing there's nothing which means that we could be sending her back to a very dangerous situation. I think we would know that. I think we would know that by her reactions. Uh, she feels like she, she feels like she she can do it now. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, so I don't think I don't think there's any cause to worry about her safety. But imagine if the resolution that we don't see in this episode is from Poe's perspective, where she beams back onto the planet. She beams right into the middle of like a mob, and everybody looks at her and says, There she is! Get her! And boom, now there you have it. I no think we would have her. a very different episode where she's trying to seek political asylum instead. I, okay, fair enough. That That is very valid. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of transporting her back to her planet... I assume Discovery was not in orbit around Zahia, so how is it that Tilly was able to transport Poe all the way back to their planet, unless, of course, we have Prime Spock coming from the future and showing Scotty how to do these long-distance transports? Yeah, that was one of those uh, plot holes, <laughs> because it was clear they were not in orbit of the planet, by, based on some dialogue, and... We don't know. I was reading some forums and people are like, well, there was a line Tilly said about a passing ship, but I didn't hear that twice. Twice I was watching this. I didn't hear that. Uh, they just kind of plugged in the transporter coordinates. Uh, Poe figured out the principle behind how the transporter works just by looking at it. That's all we get. I think we're just supposed to uh, not pay attention for that part. I mean, they did specifically show us coordinate numbers, which is really weird. So maybe that'll be relevant in season two. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think that these short treks are just filling in the gaps or do you think that they are creating plot threads that will come back later? Are we going to see Poe again? Uh, you know, I would really like that. I would really like that. I loved her character. But um, this is one of those things we don't know. I, I kind of hope it's more threads into season two. I mean, if these were things we knew, we wouldn't have to be asking these questions. Exactly. Exactly. I hope it is. Whether I think it is, I don't know. But I hope it is. But then there's another unfortunate thing is if it is, the only people who are going to legally see it are people in North America. That's right, because it's not on Netflix. At least I presume that it'll be on the DVD when it comes out for season two. Yeah, but it would really suck to see those uh, fill in the gaps thing once the disc comes out after the whole season. That's true. People outside the USA who will have access to season two will not have seen the short treks and won't understand the background for these characters. Legally. Legally. They won't <laughs> legally understand them. They might illegally understand the background. Yes. And then they'll be caught by the understanding police. <laughs> okay. So anything else about this episode before we wrap up and give our final thoughts on what we thought of it? Uh, any, any particular points you wanted to bring up that we haven't already? No, I think we covered everything I wanted to make sure I brought up. Yeah. We have both watched the short trek twice. So that is like... Half an hour each, one hour of viewing. What is your opinion of the very first short trek runaway? Average. But I liked it. <laughs> Average trek is good trek to me. Uh, and if you walked away from the first time viewing going, I don't know, give it a second watch like a day or two later. I think uh, you'll come around to appreciating it at least. So being average on a scale of one to five, you'd give it like a three? Maybe a, a 3.25. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe 3-5. I could be convinced. I would give it more of a 2-5. So I watched it twice, and I didn't feel like this episode was very substantial. And again, 
on our last episode of Transport Lock, that was one of my concerns about trying to do a, a Star Trek story in 15 minutes. I like that they are able to tell a story with just two characters, other than when the rest of the crew walks into the mess hall. This was all Poe and Tilly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was neat. I give them props for that, that they were able to do an episode with so little, really. But I just don't feel like there was a lot here. I don't feel like the character's connection was as intuitive as I hoped it would have been. I don't feel like the situation was authentic or feasible in a Star Trek environment or a Starfleet environment. And I mean, I I did like their interactions, as you and I discussed in the mess hall. I thought they got along great. They had a good rapport in their room in Tilly's quarters. And there were only really like three settings. There was the mess hall, the quarters, and the transporter room. Very little of the shuttle bay that wasn't CGI. Mm-hmm. So they really only had three sets, which again was, I like their use of minimal resources. But I don't know. I mean, I like Tilly. I like Tilly. Don't ever let it be said I don't. But I, she's not my favorite character on Discovery. I know a lot of people are crazy for her, and I can see why, but she's not at the top of my list. And so a whole episode about her, uh, I didn't know what to expect going in. And I, I don't know, I, I could have done without this one. <laughs> you know, for me, it would have been a turn to a four if they just would have not tried to cut too much, which some of the things I talked about, the editing and missing like a, a key line or two. Could have been a four. I love Tilly and I want to see more of Poe. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think trying to force it to be too short um, may have hurt it, even if it was... 30 seconds longer with just those few lines or uh, better editing in the opening scene or mother scene. So maybe they should evolve from short treks into like slightly longer treks. Short plus one. Or maybe even like average treks. <laughs> short plus one. I'm okay with the short. I just like don't, don't, uh, what's the word? Skimp when you don't need to. Ooh, what if when these come out on DVD, there are deleted scenes? I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> That could fill in all the gaps. That could make everything better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's it for this episode of Transporter Lock. We talked for about three times longer than the actual show we were watching. That makes sense when you're trying to uh, digest it and talk it out. Yeah, but that means that when we get to the actual full-length Season 2 episodes, we're going to be doing like two-hour episodes of Transporter Lock. Three hours. Four hours. Oh, no. No. Because we, no. we have to detail every minute, Star Wars minute by minute, or do Star Trek Discovery minute by minute. Oh, my God. No. StarTrekMinute.com. <laughs> that would be a great podcast where we go through every episode of Star Trek minute by minute. We'd die before it was over. And with that, we need to get going, Ken. We have a <laughs> mission over on Ryza. Uh, I think there is a pina colada with my name on it. <laughs> well, after this last week, I think we've all learned it. <laughs> so Sabriel with the end of this episode that means our listeners can look forward to hearing from us a month from now after November 8th when the next episode of Short Treks airs which one is that? this one is Calypso an unknown person to us uh, wakes up on an abandoned ship a ship that has no one on it Great, and this is the one written by Michael Chabon, who we spoke about last week. And Transporter Lock listeners can hear our review of that shortly after that episode airs. By the way, we recently expanded the number of networks you can find our show on. 
Historically, you've been able to listen to Transporter Lock on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Overcast, Acast, Pocketcast, or TuneIn. And we recently added Radio Public to that list. So you can find us on all these networks and we're looking to add even more. So if there are other apps that you would like to find our show listed in, please drop us a note at podcast at transporterlock.com, as well as any other feedback you have about any of these short treks, if you have your own take on Runaway, let us know. We'd love to hear from our listeners and share your short take on short treks on Transporter Lock. Anything else you want to share, Sabriel? No, I just love talking about Star Trek. So like, please feel free to email or talk to us on the Twitter. Yeah, find us on Twitter at Transporter Lock. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can find us individually at GameBits and you are... At Sabriality or just go to Sabriel.me and that has links to all my socials. Go to Sabriel.u for all her socials. That's right. Sabriel.me. That's right. All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Have a lovely time until we talk to you next. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, there's one more thing I want to mention. Mm-hmm. I, I just need to pull something up first. Okay. <laughs>